being the custodian of God's dream. You know, we talk about custodial duties. You have the legal term of where, you know, you're appointed by the court or, or some document that you are the custodian, the caretaker, caregiver of a certain person, or, or it could be of a trust. It could be of a child. It could be of different things, but you're the, per, the custodian. You're to carry out the, the uh, direct authority's decision. You're to carry out that, that decision. And then you also have the kind of custodian that I used to be when, when I uh, bombed out in business when I was 28 and went broke. And I'd been preaching one time a month at our little church there in eastern Kentucky. And God said, you got to go back to college, go all in. And I had to go back and go all in into ministry. And the way I started in ministry when I went back to college, Bible college this time, I started out as a custodian. And, you know, I learned a lot cleaning toilets, and I learned a lot cleaning floors, and I learned a lot vacuuming carpets and doing different things. And it wasn't long that while I was doing that, God began to just prepare me to take care of his stuff. You see, that's always looking for someone to take care of his dream. And as I did that, God promoted me up through the ranks. That church was over 12,000 when I left, and, and I was the local ministry church growth director the final three and a half years over everything but the music, and God knows that's a blessing, and I wasn't over that. And, but it wasn't even about any of that. I, I passed people up from huge Christian colleges with doctorate degrees and doctors of theology and people coming out of huge corporations. I just blew right by them. Why? Because I learned how to take care of God's stuff. I learned that it wasn't my dream, it was his dream. And then I began to realize this, this fact even later in life. You know, whatever Jesus was asked in Matthew, he's asked by the Pharisees, uh, what is the greatest commandment? What is the greatest of the Ten Commandments? What is the greatest commandment? And Jesus said this, he said, the first one is like this. He said, it's to love the Lord thy God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul. And the second one is like it or likened to it or equal to it. It could be like part one and part one B. He said, it is to love your neighbors as yourself. And then he said, and all the prophets and the law are hung on these two commands. Wow. It's mind blowing. I mean, if we'll let that be the thing that determines what we think, what we do, what we say, and when we repent, even though we miss it, we repent and get back online. There's no way you can stay stuck for long. You will get stuck in a mindset or in bitterness or offense, or you will get stuck in a sin that so easily besets you, or you'll, you'll get stuck in wishes and hopes and dreams. But if you will constantly bring yourself back to that paradigm of thinking and, and begin to realize it's not about me. What was Jesus saying? It's not about you. It's about the Father and it's about others. It's about the Father, and it's about others. In other words, the dream that you and I should have is not our dream, but it's to be the caretaker of God's dream. And God begins to give us illustrations throughout the Bible of how this operates. You see, whenever I'm going through pain, the way I switch out of that I begin to focus on the dream that God includes me in and gave me to be on this earth. And that dream, my friend, is it's not about, you know, what I have, what I can get, what I can do. But anytime I, I know it's a dream from God, when God begins to speak into my life and puts a desire in my heart that I can't turn from, I got to take a step toward it. And it always blesses other people more than it blesses me. I know it's God's dream. 
I'll get some rewards along the way, but nothing like the rewards it gives for others. You see, we talk, I talked to you a couple weeks ago about being selfish, and whenever we're selfish, we'll stay stuck. When I'm selfish, I'm focused on what I have or what I should have or what I could have or what I don't want to lose or what I could lose. But when I am focused on his dream and on the dreams of others, there's no way the enemy could keep me stuck for very long. And the greatest teacher of that, one of the greatest teachers, man, I've talked to you through Job and Joseph and others, and today, David. And I, I want us to go into the life of Joseph one more time on this series. And I want to talk to you a few minutes and let you show, let Joseph show us the principles and how God operates through our dreams and through his plans for our life. And I want you to realize that we are the custodian of God's dreams. And God's dreams, listen, has two ingredients. His plan and purpose and other people. His plan and purpose and other people. I mean, man, it's one thing. When I was in business and I put someone on, you know, I fired people or I hired people or I did different things or I said, I don't like working for that. I don't like that contract. I'm gonna go over and get a contract with a different company. Or, you know, that's one thing. But when you're in the kingdom, it's not that easy. Not, not, not when you're a pastor, not when you're a minister. And, and even you Christian men and Christian women in the business world know how difficult it can be. I mean, you still got to do what you got to do with integrity and serve. But you'll, I think after this message, it even help you even more to understand your task at hand. Because really the business world, the educational world and all those things isn't far at all from the kingdom world. Because the greatest missionaries and ministers are not just in the four walls of the church. They're where they can influence nations. Amen? So let's look at this for just a moment as we start talking about being a custodian of God's dream. Being a custodian of God's dream. Turn with me, if you would, and we'll look at uh, uh, Genesis Genesis 41. Is it starting to do that? Oh, mercy. Something's not plugged in right. Genesis 41. I'll switch if I have to. <clears throat> and we're coming up on a situation where we've talked some about Joseph, how he had a dream uh, that his family and the nation would be worshiping him and, and his older brothers. Yeah, bring me a microphone. Bring me a handheld if you don't mind, but I'll, there's something. Okay, so there we go. <clears throat> and so he had a dream uh, a dream, and then his brothers, what, got jealous, threw him in the pit, he went into slavery, and then Potiphar, you know, brought him to work at his vineyard, and in his house, he earned favor with Potiphar, then he had a false accusation, he went to jail, he helped the baker and the butler, and they never helped him get out of jail, but he was even blessed in the jail, right? And then we're coming up on this scene now to where no one can answer this dream that Pharaoh had. And he's like been killing people and everything over it. He's so frustrated because he knows this dream is nothing like anything he's ever had. And he knows there's an alarm in it. And he's used all of his sorcerers and everyone. And finally, one of the guys says, hey, I remember this guy in jail that interpreted everyone's dream and his name is Joseph. So this is where we join in and Pharaoh has exhausted himself. And we see here in Genesis 41, let me read a couple verses to you, verses 14 and 15. It says, so Pharaoh sent for Joseph and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. And when he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. Now, what I want you to get, first of all, out of this, first of all, your gift will bring you out. 
Your gift will bring you out. Not your personality, your gift. You see, Joseph had a gift to interpret dreams. Joseph had a gift of discernment, among other gifts, obviously, business and organization and all that. But he did have this gift of interpreting dreams. And in his lowest point, what brought him out into the presence of freedom and the next step of his life was his gift. Now, the reason his gift brought Joseph out, a lot of people had a gift of discerning and interpreting dreams, but Joseph humbly did it for others. You see, your gift is not for you. Your talent is not for you. Our gifts and our talents are for others. If there had been no famine, there would have been no need for Joseph to be born on the earth. So everyone in this room that's living and breathing, you're on this earth because there's something or multiple things that you are a solution to a problem that God wants solved. A dream. So then it says he cleaned up, he shaved. You know, there's times in your life you're frustrated thinking you're stuck, but all God's really waiting for you to do is to clean yourself up, to clean your mind up, to clean your heart up, to get rid of offense, to get, start moving out of doubt and building your relationship with Christ and growing in faith and loving others. And, and it's really just a cleaning up deal that you're going through. It's not that God abandoned you. Verse 15, Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream, and no one can interpret it. But I have heard said that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Now, what's wild about this? Let me point out a couple things, and I'm going to go on to a few more verses here. Do a time check. Okay. So, so, so we see the, the, this deal of him cleaning him. He had to clean himself up. We see this deal of his gift brought him out. But here's something I think that will rock you a little bit. Even though Joseph was gifted, anointed, appointed, chosen, whatever you want to say, God still refused to break protocol on Joseph's behalf. What are you talking about, preacher? God has an order. That's why it's a kingdom, a kingdom, a domain. He has an order for everything. And so... In his order of his kingdom, if I want to function in power, destiny, dream, love, passion, I have to do it God's way. It's not a Burger King kingdom, is it, James? It's not like I get it to have it my way. It's God's way or the highway, right? That's what mama used to say. God's way or the highway, boy. And what I want you to understand is you can easily be stuck when you don't flow with God's protocol. Now here's what blew me away studying this out. Who received the dream? Joseph? No. The dream that we're talking about, the dream is getting ready to unleash the destiny of Joseph and to save the nation of Israel and really the world at the time of starvation came through a heathen, came through a man that didn't even believe in God, Jehovah, and if he did, he didn't like him, came from an anti-God, anti-authoritarian man, but the protocol of God would not be broken. 
So many Christians think we're, be think we're better than Joseph or anyone else. God will eventually give in and do it our way. If we throw a tantrum long enough, if we go to enough churches, if we do things enough our way. But it doesn't work that way. Even as great as Joseph was, as encouraging as he is, and he was a type of Christ, a symbol of, the, of Christ coming, all those amazing things, he still had to follow protocol. And protocol was, he was there to serve the dream, to be the custodian of God's dream. And if God wanted to bring it through a donkey, a rock, or a heathen king, so be it. Joseph was going to operate in his gift because he knew and trusted God enough that if he just kept serving others and loving them and loving God with all of his heart, any way he could help them, even when they betrayed him in the pit, betrayed him in the jail, betrayed him in the palace, betrayed him, he just kept serving, loving God, loving people, serving God, serving people. Now his gift brings him out. A lot of the prophets of that time said, well, I'm not going, I know the answer to your dream Pharaoh but I'm not giving it to you you're a heathen you, you see a lot of times we run from our mission field business people sometimes well they're just too crazy I don't want to be around them I want to be at just a Christian company well I don't want to be in just a Christian church I mean we've had over 800 salvations in 23 months I mean you, you can't have over 800 salvations in 23 months if everybody in here today is a Christian come on church you know it's the truth we Christians are always trying to find people like us that like what we like and like our preference and like our way. It's, let me, it's not about us. It's about them. Others. We're not here for us. We die, we know where we're going to be absent from the bodies to be present with the Lord. It's not about us. It's about others. So God, he will not even, and Miss Gwen, I love, she's our lead intercessor, prophetess, woman of God, like my mama too. I just love her so much. She gets it, man. And she'd say the same thing I'm getting ready to say. He won't even break protocol for prayer, will he, Miss Gwen? How many times have you had to counsel prayer warriors that heard something from God, could have been from God, and was probably something God had planned on doing, but they couldn't last long enough to be a part of it because they had to blabber it out or they had to try to manipulate it into their favor some way, right? And they thought they could break God's protocol. You can be a prayer warrior, a prophet, a pastor, a teacher. It don't matter. No one, including me, can break God's Protocol. Now, that, I'm setting that up. I know I went deep. I went long. You know why I went deep and long? It's not a football game. It wasn't the bomb. But here, here's why it wasn't a Hail Mary. Here, here's why I went deep and long. Because you got to realize, guys, it's not your dream. Well, Pastor, I just want to know about my calling. You don't have a calling. I, you're not called. No, I feel I'm called to ministry. Yeah, you're called to ministry, but you don't have a calling. It's not your gift. It's not your calling. It's his. He just lets you be the custodian of the calling. He just lets you be the custodian of the destiny, the custodian of a dream. You see, a destiny has to do with a destination, has a beginning and an ending. It's like a roadway, the Hebrew word, pathway, roadway. And it has turns and all that, but it ends up in a certain location. But here's the thing about a destiny. You can't create a destiny, you can only discover it. Because you didn't build the road. 
You, you, you can't produce, make my destiny happen. You can only humble yourself and fulfill it. See, I'm just a custodian of the destiny I have while I'm on this planet. And believe me, I wrestle and fight with God a lot over things, but I eventually give in because I don't want to miss protocol. Anybody get that? Let me go on the next few verses and then we'll pray here. So what are we? We're the custodians of not our dream, but God's dream. Now let's jump to verse 28. As we look at verse 28 here, we're looking at about seven or eight verses here. Joseph begins to speak to Pharaoh. I, I skipped the area about the dream. It's real cool, but it's kind of deep. No use getting into all that. But Joseph is going to give him the answer to his dream. Joseph says in verse 38, it is just as, just as I said to Pharaoh, God has shown Pharaoh what he, what God is about to do. Seven years will be great abundance. Great abundance are, are coming throughout the land of Egypt. But seven years after that, a famine will follow them. Then all the abundance in Egypt will be forgotten. So here's what God said. Here's what's going to happen, Pharaoh. Here's what's going to happen. You're going to have seven years abundance. Then you're going to have seven years of famine. And guess what? Everybody's going to forget about your record, your name, your authority, your palace. Because if people got to eat and they're starving, they'll take your cows. They'll take your stuff. Honor only goes so far, right? So he's, he's laying out. Here's what's going to happen, Pharaoh. And it says, when all this happens, then all the abundance in Egypt will be forgotten, and the famine will ravage the land. The abundance in the land will not be remembered. Oh, I know, ma'am. You're trying to build your name. Your name means so much. Well, what about the name of Jesus? He was considered a thief, a traitor, hung on a cross, a thief's death. What are you so cared, concerned about your name? It's not your authority and agenda anyway. It's his, right? Verse 31, the abundance in the land will not be remembered because the famine that follows is so severe. Now look at this. Verse 32, the reason the dream was given to Pharaoh in two forms is that the matter has been firmly decided by God, and God will do it soon. In other words, Pharaoh, love you, man, but it's not your dream. It's just been given to you. Joseph understood protocol, that God could even give a dream and a vision to a heathen that could bless his people. And he was humble enough to know that it wasn't his gift to interpret. God blessed him, so he interpreted it. Now, here's the solution. So Joseph could have said, you know, you free me, give me some money, and give me a, you know, a three-day head start, uh, and I'll give you the answer. But he didn't. He went on and gave him the answer. Verse 33. And now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. And let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land to take the, a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. They should collect all the food of these good years that are coming and store up grain under the, what? Under the authority of Pharaoh to be kept in the cities for food. 
This food should be held in reserve for the country to be used during the seven years of famine that will come upon Egypt so that the country may not be ruined by the famine. Wow. I mean, how humbling for Joseph to be in prison. He doesn't know the language. You know, he's a slave. He's a prisoner. He's all these things. And he had the key to make or break a nation. But he knew God's protocol enough and trusted God enough to be the custodian of God's dream all these years. He wasn't going to blow it now. Because here's what Joseph knew. Selfish dreams create delays and denials. Selfish dreams create delays and denials. If you got too many delays and too many denials, maybe you're self-centered a little bit too much. You see, whenever we're humble enough to say, okay, I don't understand it all, God, but I'm going to trust you. When I see Miss Gwen and, 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 and even Miss Essie be over there jumping and praising on a seat and, you know, she's a great-grandma woman of God. And then you got Miss Gwen up here, her beautiful age, worshiping God every service. And, and I, then I see a 12-year-old over here worshiping God and an 8-year-old and a 15-year-old and a 30 and a 40-year-old. And I, people of all backgrounds and cultures and races and educational system and all. I'm blown away. It's like a church of the Gentiles. What is it? It's not my church. It's his church. Steph and I prayed in our home in Columbus before we left. Pretty wonderful positions that we had in Columbus and sold, put our house on the market, and took our savings and moved and planted a church over on Alexandria Drive. Not with our dream, but with his dream. We had to pray for several months to find out the name that God wanted for this church. We had to pray and find out. And then one day God said, it'd be a church of the Gentiles. I'm like, oh my goodness, Gentiles. I mean, shouldn't we be, I don't know, Lord. I thought we, he said, Get, remember the Gentiles were engrafted in. I said, oh, okay. I said, well, what do you mean church of the Gentiles? He said, it'd be people of all ages and backgrounds and races and cultures and all of these things. It, it'll look, son, it'll look like a UK game when you go to a UK game. Just all kinds of people there cheering for the same team. You see, that's what this thing is about. I couldn't pastor a church like this if I didn't trust God and realize it's not my church, it's not my dream. I've had pastors of different churches that are very focused on, you know, uh, they don't look like our church, let's say that. And they say, well, how do you get that way? I said, I don't know. God just said that's the kind of church we'd be. You see, it doesn't matter if it's a church. It doesn't matter if it's a style. It doesn't matter if it's a business. It doesn't matter what college it is that you're going to. It all matters just trusting him and plan and be vigilant, but trust him. Just trust him and realize you don't own anything in this world. Dust you came in and dust you go out. You can go back to the Egyptian ruins or wherever you want. You can't take your money, your jewelries. You can't even take your reputation with you. So why worry about it now? Why not make a reputation for God? That's a good time to clap right there. Good time to clap. How much time I got? I got to hurry. Let me wrap up here in about four minutes. You see, Joseph's decision to be unstuck changed everything forever. His decision to not stay stuck just because he was in jail and to humble himself and to realize his gift promoted him and to use that gift to help a nation that was against his very own nation, God used that. If you go on and read the end of the next couple of chapters, that in the end when he put Joseph in his prominent position and 14 years was up and so on, what happened? 
Everybody had to come to Egypt to be fed, even Joseph's own family, the brothers that put him in prison. And he was humble and loving enough to not kill them or do anything to them, but to bless them and to feed them. And God blessed Israel, or the nation wouldn't even be here today if one little prison boy right there hadn't been humble enough to, to refuse to be unstuck and to be the custodian of someone else's dream. Think about that. Okay, let's look at this last couple verses, and we'll pray. Look down in verse 41. It says, And the plan seemed good to Pharaoh and to all his officials. He had a meeting with all of his leadership team. Verse 38, So Pharaoh asked them, Can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the Spirit of God? I mean, what's Pharaoh know about the Spirit of God? Anyone that, that knows the Spirit of God? Verse 39, then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace and all of my people will submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne, I will be greater than you. Think about that, guys. Joseph humbled himself to be the custodian of someone else's dream, and look what happened. God didn't just bless Joseph, but he blessed God's own generations forever. Why? Because it wasn't Joseph's dream. It wasn't even Joseph's gift. I see this all the time with novices who, you know, get baptized in the Holy Spirit and they realize they can prophesy a little bit. And before long, they prophesy because they'll start saying things God didn't say because they want to be important. You know, if I have to preach to be important, I don't deserve to be in this pulpit. If I have to prophesy to be important, if I have to give finances to be important to the church, I don't deserve it. You, what you've got to realize is it's not my stuff. It's not your stuff. It's his. We are his precious gifts on this earth forever how long we're on it. Let's just let him use us all he wants to use us. Let's be the custodian of history. Oh, man, there, there, there's so many testimonies I could tell you that it's worked out in this church for people that's allowed God to use them. You see, you can be so stubborn that you stay stuck. Let me finish with this and we'll pray. It's just like the vision of moving forward together that we started almost 24 months ago, 23 months ago. We've been handing cards out to you. You should come in and... It had a certain financial figure on it, and we, we may hit it, we may not hit it, but the big thing was it was all about going back to the first love of this church, being a church of the book of Acts. We believe in all the Bibles and the Word, but we know that we're a place just like the church in Jerusalem, the first church that when Jesus told them, go in Acts 1-8, go wait on the promise, right? And when you do, you'll be endued with power, what? Filled with the Spirit, endued with power to preach the gospel in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world. We know that after that upper room experience in Acts 2, what happened? One translation said, Peter stepped forward and the others stepped with him. And when he did, what did he do? He began to preach the gospel on that morning of Pentecost. And what happened? 3,000 men were saved and baptized plus their families. 
The next chapter, what happens? They start meeting together, breaking bread, praying under the apostles' teaching, and all of these things. What did they do? They did all of that together, and the church grew by thousands every month. I just want you to realize that we can't get away from relationship. We can't get away from his dream. We can't get away from his plans, his purpose. We can't run from his protocol. We just need to surrender. And when I think about a church like this with nearly 200 baptisms in the last 23 months or so, and yeah, over $2 million was given. That's just all part of general budget. I'm, I'm not even concerned about that, but tens of thousands of pounds of food. We already had last month over 40,000 pounds of food that we'd given away in Jasmine County and Fayette County this year. Over 40,000 pounds of food. And I can sit and tell you things that Bethel does and is done, but you know, it's really about the heart. It's about the heart. And I just want you to realize you're important to God. That God has a plan for you. God has a dream for you that, man, if you're stuck, learn from it and get unstuck and, and get stuck by something different next time. Because every time you're stuck, every time you're in a famine, every time you're in that situation, it's just an opportunity to grow. And as you grow, guess what? You bring people along with you. And that's what this journey's about. Shh, shh, listen, remember, I love you, but it's, it's not about you or you or you or, or me. It's about him and it's about others. It's not about us. And if we'll just get that and listen to that quiet voice and do what he says do, we'll be free.